Amen, and good morning, everybody. It is so wonderful to be here this morning. Easter Sunday morning, how about that? I just woke up this morning so excited and grateful, so grateful to be able to come and worship this morning, come in freedom and come with joy to be together. And so whether you are here in this room now or whether you're online, it is just a joy to be here. So let's, let's actually realize the significance of what we're doing here this morning. Let's recognize the freedom that we come here to listen to this story and re-enter into it. So welcome, welcome if you're new for the first time, if you're visiting with family and friends, if you're watching for the first time online, you are so welcome to be in our midst. And would I, could I just sort of say that... Um, I'm fairly new here. I'm one of the pastors here. My name is Fiona, if you haven't met me before. And again, it's just a joy to worship this morning. Look, as we enter into this beautiful story, didn't you just um, love that this is our theme um, for this Easter time, for this Easter season, love on display. And we hope that it's really inspired um, us in our thinking and in our reflecting and in our prayer and our worship and hope that it is really a gift for you today. So we're going to enter now some time of prayer. I'm going to pray. We've got a big morning. It's a really special day. So would you come with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and for your love. We thank you that as we gather here today, here in this room and online, Father God, you are present to us. You are here with us moving in and through your people. This is a glorious and wondrous day when we get to celebrate and fix our eyes on Jesus and to see your love on display for the whole world. Lord, would you work now by your Holy Spirit for our good and for your glory. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, according to our Christian tradition, the story of Good Friday is an account of the horrific crucifixion, death, and burial of Jesus. Jesus was flogged and crucified. Jesus hung on a cross in agony until he could no longer. His final words were, it is finished. And that was an announcement that he had accomplished all that the Father had given him to do. Why did he do this? Why did he do this? He did this to demonstrate to us just how much the Father loves us. The scripture tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, that everyone who believes may not perish but have eternal life. When Jesus had taken his last breath, Jesus' body was taken down off the cross. And a soldier took a sword and pierced Jesus' side just to be sure that he was dead. Friends, on that Good Friday, as we saw the story, the script rolling past on the screen, as we saw the movement from the darkness to the joy of the light that dawned, in that story, we discover that there was an amazing community of people who endured with Jesus, 
who saw, who witnessed the pain and the violence and the sorrow and the confusion and the regret and the disbelief. This community that was there at the cross, now really much smaller in number than what you might think, this community come together to handle the body of Jesus. The people that are there are Mary, Jesus' mum, his auntie, we're told, a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene, disciple Joseph of Arimathea, disciple Nicodemus, and also the more familiar disciples to us, Peter, James, and John. They all commit themselves to handling Jesus' crucified body. Together, Joseph and Nicodemus, they anoint the body. And they do that with an extravagantly large quantity of spices. And Jesus' body is bound in burial clothes and placed in a tomb. Placed in a tomb. That was Friday. For all that Friday accomplished. For all that Friday was, Friday points us to events that will take place beyond the tomb of Jesus Christ. God's beloved people, today is Sunday. Today is Easter Day, and we gather with Christians all around the world to celebrate, to celebrate Jesus, the resurrection and the life. Isn't that amazing? I think we can actually give a warm, warm clap. It's Easter Day. And friends, I want to just share with you for a moment a little bit of my own personal story. Uh, it's, it's only a part of my story, but it also happened on Easter Sunday. But it happened on Easter Sunday, 1995. I was 21. Don't do the maths. <laughs> I was 21, that's all you need to know. It was very early. Because I was expected to be at the 6 a.m. dawn service at Terrigal Uniting Church, Central Coast, New South Wales. That's where I was expected to be with my family at 6 a.m. on Easter Sunday morning. I definitely did not want to go. I definitely did not want to go. I was annoyed, I was offended. I was offended at the time I had to get out of bed and I was irritated by the thought that I had to go through the church motions. That's what I would have told you on that day. But to be very honest, lurking beneath that annoyed and irritated verbiage was the painful truth that much of my life was becoming a train wreck. I'll spare you the details this time. But you need to know that a chasm existed between what people thought I was and what they thought I was capable of and what I considered to be the real me. Because of a long and weighty list of failures, because of a deepening sense of inadequacy and because of a harmful lack of self-respect, that chasm was slowly engulfing me. Friends, I've just been describing to you a little bit of my life and how it was affected by sin. I'm not alone in that. 
I'm not alone in how sin affects us. You see, all of us have sinned. And all of our attempts to reach the standard that God has for us fail. Sin is a word in the Bible that that is used to help express for us the disharmony we have in ourselves and the brokenness of the world, and importantly, our rejection of God and the life he desires us to live. What else happened on that Easter Sunday morning, 1995? Well, by the time my parents and three really grumpy adolescents all squished into one car, we were running really late for church. Church was packed, and because there was five of us, we had to sit in the front row. Front row people, you're getting a lot of love from me this morning. Front row people, you're amazing. I think it was about halfway through the second hymn that we arrived, and then the congregation sat, and in the next moment, I was completely overcome by the presence of God, by the risen Lord Jesus who stood very near to me, and spoke my name, Fiona, and then spoke again, Fiona, I love you, I created you, I want you to pray. Those were the words. It's actually really hard to describe what it was like to hear those words, but the best I can do is to say that it was just indescribable kindness and love. I felt light, I felt free, and I felt forgiven. There was indescribable joy and the relief of being valued and accepted. Overall, really, it was quite messy. It was messy. There was a lot of tears. And there was kind of a bit of shaking as well going on. And it was kind of like that shaking, you know, when your shoulders just do this a lot. (laughs) And everybody who was kind of paying attention knew that something was happening over there. (laughs) Something was going on over there in the corner, at the front. But I didn't really take in anything more of the service. I don't know what we sang. I don't know what was said. I certainly don't remember the message. But I just sat and tried to take in this encounter. But friends, there was also sort of something else that was going on. When the Lord said to me, Fiona, I want you to pray, he added, pray for the Lloyd family. Very specific words. And this family was a family that was really familiar to me. The Lloyds were great family friends. They were church people and we knew them really well from the country town I had grown up in. And when the Lord said, if you want to pray for the Lloyd family, I can't say that I really knew what to pray or or what to do in that situation, but I just held them in my heart and in my thoughts as I continued to weep and to shake and try and figure out what was happening to me. Eventually, church finished, and as we were heading out of church, my auntie grabbed my mum's hand and said, Meryl, you must pray for Arthur Lloyd. He's gravely ill. The church prayer chain was working well, folks. But more importantly, hearing my auntie say that, having heard those words from the Lord, just actually sent a second wave of God's presence over me. And this time, it was just like pure awe and wonder. 
at this risen Lord and what was unfolding before me. It was an excruciating drive home. All five of us are getting in the car and nobody said very much. I went straight to my room and my mum went straight to the answering machine. There was one new message at 6.18am. Arthur Lloyd had suffered a cerebral hemorrhage the night before and at the time of 6.18, when someone from the family phoned us and left that message, Arthur's life support system had been turned off. He had gone to be with the Lord. Just takes me to that beautiful story that we read and that we saw scrolling before our eyes on the screen earlier. The story that took place in the garden, the garden and the tomb. It was early on the first day of the week and while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. And in a panic, she ran to the other disciples to tell them, and then they ran back to the tomb with her to see it for themselves, trying to figure out exactly what had taken place. The body was definitely gone. The grave clothes had been neatly folded, and the disciples went. Mary's left in the garden. She's left outside the tomb, still in the darkness, still distraught with worry, Disoriented in her grief, she remained standing in tears, desperate to know where Jesus' body had been laid. And at no point, friends, did it cross Mary's mind. At no point did it cross her mind that the empty tomb was God's doing. There is absolutely not even the slightest shred of evidence in the minds of, the, of these people here present and in Mary's mind of the possibility of resurrection. Yet, the tomb was empty. The wrappings of death were empty. And despite all of the occasions that Jesus had talked about his death and his rising, Mary still did not yet believe that Jesus must rise from the dead. In her confusion, it became only heightened when she mistakenly identified Jesus as the gardener. Jesus says to her, Why are you weeping? And whom are you looking for? Why are you weeping? And whom are you looking for? Now, because it's Jesus speaking, this terrible place that Mary finds herself in is about to be pierced with the sudden and unexpected joy because standing right before her is the answer to her longings. Standing there is the risen Lord Jesus, And the good shepherd calls Mary by her name. Mary, he says. Mary turns and she recognizes that voice. She recognizes Jesus. And she says, Rabboni, which in Aramaic means my teacher. Mary makes this extraordinary confession of faith when she says my teacher. And she reaches to embrace Jesus. She hasn't yet fully got the significance of what has happened. But she has arrived at faith in the one who stands before her. For Jesus has responded to her searching with such power and with such kindness. Jesus has fulfilled her present hopes and needs. This was true for me as I came to church that Sunday morning. 
I too was searching for something. I was longing. I was longing for something or someone to heal my wounds, someone to save me from my failures and that self-destructive path I was going down. I was part of a culture that suggested that love and acceptance was always earned or achieved. So good on me. I was trying extraordinarily hard to find how I would be satisfied, how I would be repaired and restored in those things. What was I thinking? <laughs> what, how, how could I have thought that I would find it in having a great career or in a healthy bank balance or in some sort of captivating and, and, and amazing sort of travel stories? These things are what I reached for. I reached for romance. I reached for recreational things. I reached for popularity. And yet, so like Mary in that garden, Jesus came to me and spoke to me. And Jesus fulfilled that longing in me. He delighted in me. His presence spanned that great chasm of flesh and spirit. His sacrificial love covered my sin. C.S. Lewis says in his wonderful book, Mere Christianity, he said, It costs God nothing as far as we know to create nice things, but to convert, but to convert rebellious wills cost him crucifixion. But to convert rebellious wills, that was me, it cost him crucifixion. Jesus sought me and found me, and I was infused with this indescribable joy of reunion. It cost him so greatly, but Jesus had done it all using whatever and whomever he had to, to finally hold a lost child. This is love on display. I also didn't have the whole pitch yet. Friends, this is just the beginning of my story. But yet from that Easter day onwards, I just quietly knew somehow that my band-aids would fall off, that my crutches would break and the self-placating lies would be uprooted. The Bible says that truth always rises, and truth had started to rise in me, and that morning was the dawning of a personal saving faith in the risen and ascended Lord Jesus, a faith that would grow, a faith that would grow, and a life that would be resurrected. Would you just go with me uh, for a moment to the book of Romans? It's one of the books of our New Testament. In fact, it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul. And in Romans chapter 6, Paul describes a life that is resurrected and what it means to walk in newness of life. I encourage you to read it. It's very dense and it's rich and it's just full of how we might truly deepen our understanding of this. If you didn't realize, uh, if you hadn't noticed up until now, as we begin to think about this baptism uh, symbol that Paul's going to talk to us about, the cover has been taken off our tank. Uh, we are now beginning to anticipate and look forward to a part in our service just after we finish here with the message of baptizing two amazing young women this morning. So let's just start already with an expectation and a, just a really big appreciation and warm welcoming of the girls. 
Paul says about baptism that it is a sign by which the Spirit of God unites people to Jesus Christ and incorporates them into his body, the church. As Jesus entered death, we too, by God's grace, enter the waters of baptism to signify the death to sin that Jesus accomplished on our behalf at the cross. The sign of baptism is significant and effective. It is a real and powerful washing. It's an actual spiritual death followed by a spiritual rebirth. It is embodied repentance and a transformed heart. By water and the Spirit, we are claimed as God's own and set free from the power of sin and death. As we come up out of the waters, we declare new life that we now have in Jesus. And it's so special, isn't it, friends, that we're celebrating baptism today. This is why Easter is so significant. It's because it's on this day that our eyes are turned towards something and someone beyond anything that we could think or imagine. It's when we focus our attention on why the empty tomb is exactly what we are looking for. Because sin and failures and guilt, all these things have been gathered up in the death of Jesus on the cross. And death itself has been defeated. And the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Even the wrappings of death are empty. Christ is risen. Christ is risen. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, and you've come along to worship... I would love to make an invitation to you. In fact, I'd love to make two invitations. But the first this morning will be wanting to just speak with those of us who have come to that place of accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior, come to that place of following the Lord. May I say to you that as a follower of Jesus, today we remember, we must remember that he who was dead is alive and they who were guilty have been forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Would you think about your first encounter with Christ? Would you bring it to mind? Close your eyes if you need to. Would you resurrect the relief? Would you recall the beauty? Because church, you see, I have this conviction that there is a direct correlation between the accuracy of our memory and the effectiveness of our mission. If we are not loving people towards salvation, then we have forgotten the tragedy of being lost. If we are not proclaiming a message of forgiveness, then we may not be leading people to walk in the freedom and the newness of life. If that is stirring for you today, would you stand as a follower of Jesus Christ? If that conviction is stirring in you this morning, would you stand as a believer in Christ? Because I would love to pray for us that we might be refreshed and renewed in what we call our first love. Our first love. Because the accuracy of our memory has a direct correlation to the effectiveness of our mission. Thank you for standing. 
And as you're standing, would you just put yourself in a posture of being ready to receive? We're going to pray in a moment, but firstly, I have something else really important to do. There is another another invitation I would like to make for us today. If you have not come to a personal saving faith in Jesus, I wonder if you would consider how important that is for you right now. If you have not come to that place for yourself, if you don't know yet Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, would you do something incredibly courageous and incredibly brave? Would you just stand as well? Would you stand? For those of you who have just stood, I thank you. And I want to just say that God has an amazing version of life fully lived for you and for us. It is where sin and death no longer define us, but grace does. It's not an easy life. It's an adventure. And sometimes it's risky and it's always costly, but it is absolutely beautiful. It's not a life of bigger and better and brighter, friends. It is a life of closer, deeper and lower. That is the kingdom that God is calling us to. That is the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you are here today, as I said, and you feel that there is a bit of distance between you and God and you're not sure where you stand, I encourage you to take up this bold, bold invitation to receive the free gift of God's love and security of salvation because of that love. Mary experienced this. You can receive this. Today we can hear Jesus say our name. Know our story. Deal with our ruin. Restore our heart and place us into restoration. This is the beauty of Easter, friends, that there is life forevermore for all who believe and a flame lit to share the message of Jesus with others. Thank you that you have stood. You know, the best way that we can respond as the Holy Spirit moves amongst us now. You know, the most profound gift that we have is just a simple gift of being able to talk to the Lord. God is already here. So I'm just going to pray a really simple prayer. And if you are taking up this invitation for the first time, I'm going to say it slowly and meaningfully. In fact, I'd ask that everybody here in this room would actually just say this with those who are saying it for the first time. It's just such a beautiful act of being together in a moment that's so precious and so profoundly powerful. So let's say it together. I'll say it slowly. You say it after me. And then we'll continue in a moment of prayer. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for your unending love. I'm sorry I've not put you first in my life. I'm sorry I've not trusted you. Thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you that he lived and died and rose for me. I receive your life and the security of your unending love. I ask that by your spirit, you will help me to follow you, Jesus, all the days of my life. 
Thank you, Lord. Almighty God and loving Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for showing us that you are so holy, that you are merciful and that you are kind, and that you are powerful. And you say that as your name is lifted high, you will draw all people to yourself. Jesus, Lamb of God, thank you for your sacrifice, for love on display, for the sins of the whole world. Lord, I pray that as this church, as people gathered here at New Life and those gathered online, that we will live worthy lives, worthy of our calling to bring glory and honour to your name. We surrender ourselves to you and draw near to you in confidence that you delight to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So humbly, God, we ask, would you now, would you now come and refresh by your spirit, would you refresh and renew us in your love? You, our first love, would you renew us in that by your spirit? Thank you, Lord. Lord, you delight to give us your kingdom. Would you now prepare us for service to be your hands and your feet and your voice in the world? To be people who seek mercy, who love justice and walk closely with our risen Lord Jesus, our Saviour and our friend. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And might I ask that all of us would come to our feet now. We're going to continue in worship. We're going to sing our praises out once again to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.